to make the most out of your day, your week, and these months in this year? I know I do, but not at the expense of my happiness or contentment or time with family and friends. So let's figure out how and go on this journey together. Welcome to the My Kind Podcast, where we get to connect with beautiful and talented women who inspire us with their stories about how they started their business or brand. Let's dive in. Today, we are featuring the sassy and savvy Sue Marco. I know Sue through the wine industry, but today we're actually going to talk about her new book she got published, To Be and Be or Not to Be and Be, De-Romanticizing the Dream. We get down to the nitty gritty, the good and the bad about hosting a bed and breakfast and what it really takes to run a business like this. Her book is available for pre-order on amazon.ca and barnesandnoble.com. The release date is May 25th, so get in line for your copy right away. Without further ado, here we go. Sue, welcome to the My Kind Podcast. How are you? Well, I'm just fine, thank you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty great, actually. I got in about four or five ski runs and then <laughs> came inside to hang out with you for a bit. <laughs> I'm sorry to have interrupted your ski day. I'm not sure I would have been so generous with my time. <laughs> You're so sweet. You know what, honestly, I am not in the perfect uh shape right now so that much is just right oh okay good (laughs) so I'm super excited to talk to you today about your book because we've talked about it a little bit in passing and I know you know because we both work together in the wine industry it's just an exciting thing but it never feels like we actually have enough time to really talk about the book so now that I've started this podcast I think it's the perfect opportunity to to really learn about how how the heck you wrote a book, right? Yes. Well, actually, um, it's it's a super interesting story. Just because I never meant to write a book, and at no time did I ever think, "Hey, I'm writing a book." It just sort of evolved into that. So, I guess you need a little bit of history of what the how it all came to be yeah okay so in 2002 uh, my ex and I purchased a property that was a bed and breakfast it was now it was a really informal bed and breakfast it was more or less just a couple of people who had a couple of people stay at their house for money a couple of times. So it was <laughs> it wasn't on, it wasn't at all on the map or anything like that. And they certainly weren't in a professional running a professional sort of show, you know, working with the board of health or anything like that, right? It was just very casual. 
Anyway, we, we purchased right. the thing. And uh, over time, um, it's, uh, well, the, the book is a compilation of stories of, well, just to be blunt, uh, really bad guest behavior. And it's all about the sort of impossibly offensive things that people actually do in your home in front of you when they are paying and entitled to do what they obviously feel they do. (laughs) So, and I haven't had a chance to read the book yet either. I'm assuming some of them are a little bit crazy and some of them might be a little bit offensive, (laughs) but also I think a lot of the industry, bed and breakfast, you know, hotels, even restaurants in some cases experience this kind of uh, behavior. Yeah. Okay. So just um, for, you know, a couple of examples, like, so people book into a bed and breakfast and, you know, as you learn when you own this kind of a business, you know, you sort of learn what questions to ask people when they book, like, you know, an important one might be, are you allergic to anything? (laughs) And people will like 99% of the time tell you, no, not allergic to anything. All good. Love food. Excellent. And then they show up and, you know, you put out this beautiful um, array of breakfast for them. And, you know, out comes the laundry list of their air quote allergies which also 99% of the time turn out to be bullshit yeah you know there's a there's a fine line yeah. between allergy and I don't like it right so yes. anyway oh yes and you could talk about that that in terms of so many people catering companies restaurants Absolutely. hotels yeah, yeah, strong, strong feelings about what they they would like to be allergic to, but are not necessarily allergic right. to. And, and some of the things they tell you are just so outrageous. You know that it's bullshit, but they're 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 being honest. I had one guy tell me he was absolutely allergic to all vegetables. <laughs> 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 Did you keep a straight face? No, at the of time? course not. I called him out on it. <laughs> Good for right. you. I'm like, Good for come you. on, I'm phoning your wife. If you, I'm like, give me. I, I have your home phone number. I'm phoning your wife to find out if this is really true because you're lying to me right now. I, I, I heard that because I had <laughs> a lot of, I had a lot of male customers in the winter because it was in the Rocky Mountains and it was primarily a winter sort of wonderland snowmobile all-inclusive place to stay for them so yeah so it was a really testosterone-y you know high uh male hormone environment super macho and everything and then you know these these men would come up with these allergies like this and you're just like listen princess (laughs) you know yeah, you can't ride around on that big thing with 200 cc's between your legs all day and then come home and tell me you're allergic to vegetables. I mean, it's just not going to work, right? <laughs> Nobody's believing you right now. So there's a whole chapter. There's a chapter on allergies. That's just one chapter. And there's um, a chapter on like just manners 
bodily functions, mm. things that, you know, you wouldn't really think you would want to showcase to your female hostess, that kind of stuff. You is was the the adventure lodge was that what it was called? I'm trying, I'm trying to yeah, it was in the outdoor adventure lodge. So people who were coming there weren't coming there to stay inside all day. Although it was a beautiful lodge, it was a giant log place, very comfy, cozy, rustic, but with all the modern sort of amenities. Even though it was beautiful and comfortable, that's where they hung out in the evenings in the winter. But they were there to do. Uh, d- outdoor activities so it would be hella skiing it would be snowmobiling it would be and in the summer it would be quadding or hiking or mountain biking or horseback riding or you know just going out on a fishing tour or something like that because all of those things were were going on in this area uh river rafting that was another huge one how many people would you house in the lodge? Well, there, uh, there were four, four suites in the lodge, four guest suites within the lodge when I owned it. It has since expanded. So the new, the people who purchased it from me have dialed it back, gone a little more for quantity versus quality. I, you know, I, 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 I focused yeah. on creating a, a place that was high end. It was luxury items. It was sort of beautiful food, three course dinners paired with wine if they wanted it. It was all sorts of luxury items and smaller groups, but it has since evolved into much more of a sort of um, all-around accessible business, more based on, like I say, the quantity of customers uh, rather than maybe the super high quality of service. And even yet, you ended up with probably an expensive vacation for the people who were coming. High, you know, highly expensive activities like heli skiing and even river rafting mm-hmm. in some cases and you would almost expect that level of you've got the elegance you've got the food you've got the wine you've got this beautiful rustic lodge that the elegance and the decorum of the guests right wouldn't you yeah. but that is just not the <laughs> case is it is an absolute fantastic study into the human psychology of you know I have more money that way I can get away with more or, or something along those lines. I'm not sure. So anyway, a lot of these stories, a lot of the experiences were, you know, when you come to read them, you're like, wow, I I can't even believe that they did that. That's so offensive. And that is so rude. And that is, you know, so terrifying. Some of them, you know, that they would be that aggressive or be that, angry or be that awful to their host and so what I started doing was I felt like I needed to purge after some of these experiences with these hateful people (laughs) and so to put it lightly (laughs) so I would I would just write the story down and I don't even know why I thought of doing that but it just felt like if I wrote it all down 
and put it in a file in my computer and closed my computer, it was gone. And then I could, you know, do the laundry and clean the house and just wipe the, the whole slate clean, both figuratively and literally. And so when I sold the lodge in the very late fall of 2016, I had all of these stories and I didn't even really realize at the time how sort of traumatized I was. I went to live with my mom and dad. I was homeless because the people who bought it basically gave me three weeks to leave. So <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to live. So I, <laughs> I threw all of my stuff in storage and I moved in with my mom and dad for who were in their 80s for, for three months while I figured out what I would do next. And, um, you know, they said to me, wow, like you are really strung out. You just you just need to like have a holiday. You need to, you know, I, I didn't even realize the emotional and psychological toll it had taken on me. And I basically ended up taking it an entire year off just to relax after that. And then, yeah, you. well, That's... you know, fortunately the investment was good for me financially. So I was able to do that and I'm very grateful for that. But it also gave me a chance just to not be under any pressure to perform for these, you know, ungrateful people or anything and just to chill out and enjoy my life for a year. And while I was doing that, I started, you know, towards the end of the year, I started going back to those stories and looking at them. And I thought, wow, you know, there's a lot. And there was like almost 500 pages worth of stories. I start, yeah, I started wow. editing them down. And you know, the funny thing is it's written, a lot of them were written like, you know, 15 minutes after the guests left, you know, I basically just poured myself a large drink and sat down at my computer and just started banging it out as quickly as possible. <laughs> so. <laughs> and those who know the way that I speak, they know that I don't hold back with a lot of language. So there's there's some pretty colorful language in this book too because it's containing all of my like immediate reactions and some of them aren't very, you know, mm, nice. <laughs> so so here's a question. Did the rude customers tip better? You know, and tipping it tipping was always kind of funny for me. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to it. You know, sometimes you'd get a big tip from somebody you wouldn't expect. You you would think that mm. they would leave you nothing because of the way that they treated you and their criticisms and their, you know, absolute, you know, uncomfortableness with you. You, you know, you just felt like they hated every minute of your presence and, th and then they'd surprise you with, you know, some massive tip. And it's like, well, I, it made no sense. And then other times you'd get nothing on a, on a, a weekend or a, a stay that went perfectly, absolutely perfectly. And so perfectly that they were telling you how perfectly it was, you know, all the way out the door and, you know, practical, 
tears rolling down their face because they had to leave. They were it's so sad to go and no tip. <laughs> so <laughs> and so their tip was the, the how lovely they were with their compliments. <laughs> that was the tip, right? <laughs> it was personal affirmation. <laughs> You know, it's so funny. And I, I know just from being in the restaurant industry too, it seems like sometimes people's people's goal or, or their belief is that they should literally be critical about everything I know. possible to criticize. The person, the atmosphere, the food, the decor, the service, like every everything. The, my, their job is to criticize. And then sometimes, yeah, those those people are the ones that surprise well, you. you know, it's like, oh. Well, that is well, an unfortunate okay, sort of spinoff of the digital era of our lifetime is that, you know, everybody gets to be a critic now. You can go online and you can critique any service you've ever had any experience, any piece of food you ate, any, any person. I mean, it's just everybody sits down in a restaurant and they just assume that, you know, they feel like they're Anthony Bourdain and they have, you know, full rights and reason to just rip it apart, you know, and everybody shows up at a bed and breakfast and, you know, they think that they are, you know, some famous critic of you know palaces around the world and they they rip it apart that's just what they do there's actually there's a full chapter in the book on reviews and i have i've transferred Ooh. verbatim some of the reviews and they are just like some of them just don't even make any sense <laughs> some of them I've read a few of those in my day as well. So, I, I mean, most of them don't make sense. I mean, there were always good reviews. Don't get me wrong. There were always good customers. Um, I don't want to pretend that every single customer was awful and, and trying to sabotage me or my business or, you know, just had a hate on for me. That's not true. There were plenty of good customers and there were plenty of good reviews, but like some of them were just out of nowhere and completely a surprise to me. Well, and I'm wondering, I, I also love the title of your book, by the way, um, but specifically the, the lower part of the title, De-Romanticizing right. the Dream. What did you have in your mind before you started the lodge <laughs> and took it over and versus what did what you actually thought about it after getting right really into it. Well, there's, I, I touch on it in the introduction of the book. My favorite, one of my very favorite movies of all time is out of Africa with Meryl Streep and Robert Redford. And right at the very beginning mm. of that movie, Meryl Streep is, uh, she says, I once owned a farm in Africa. And so the Long way she time. says it, you can just tell that she's like, she's reminiscing on something that went really, really wrong. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the story of Out of Africa is this, you know, younger woman who goes off with her man to this foreign place to set up this beautiful life of... Um, a coffee plantation in Africa. And, you know, she's got, uh, it's, it's such a beautiful area and it's such a 
a, a romantic experience and you've got every everybody loves your coffee and everybody is happy that you're there and you're working in a community and you know, everything is going to be perfect for the rest of your life and um then you know shit hits the fan and um it's just one fail after the next and eventually you know everything is just like literally crumbled in and in ashes at your feet it happened to her and it happened to me <laughs> and it probably happens to a lot of people too because when you go into a bed and breakfast you know everybody stayed at a bed and breakfast by this stage in our development and uh, everybody has had that thought you know oh you know this is such a great lifestyle I mean you show up at this beautiful place and you're met by these people who are just so happy and you know they make these great breakfasts for you and they have intricate knowledge of the area and they're so helpful and they're so kind and you know they treat you they welcome you like your family and they treat you like gold and you know, it's just this perfect place. And wouldn't that be a great self-employment? Hey, I could do this because I'm a great cook and I'm a really fun person. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is something I should do. And this is exactly what happened to me. Well, I can't even tell you just because it's so similar with <laughs> the winery. Totally. The number of people, yeah, the number of people that come in and romanticize the idea. And, mm -hmm. Oh, it would be so great. You know, we, we'd like to own a winery one day or we've been thinking about this. It's like, okay. And I think I told you one time, I always say, hey, if you want to meet me in the vineyard tomorrow morning, 530 a.m. sharp, right. we can get started and you can find out what it's really like. And I've, I've never had anyone take me up on that, by the way. <laughs> So what you're saying, too, is if someone actually interned at a bed and breakfast, they might learn the reality of the situation that is. Yeah, is, I mean, it's all a show. It's like the winery. All you see is the tasting room. Of course, it's fantastic. You have handpicked those fantastic, perfect yeah. people to pour wine for you, you know, and, you know, the front of it is painted beautifully and it makes a perfect backdrop to a beautiful picture but what they don't see is on the back side of the winery and you know there's there's work to be done and you know there's weeding to do and there's pruning to do and there's all this other stuff and it, it, it might even be total chaos and they just yeah they don't see that because that's not what you want them to see <laughs> you know? no and you look around and you go all i see right. is work work over there right work over here, but work, you know work, they're work. just in the picture perfect part of the winery where what they see is this beautiful finished product delivered to you by beautiful finished people who have, you know, created a nice uh, story to tell you as they pour you beautiful wines. And who's not going to like that? My business was the same thing. It was, you know, half of the time I was, you know, on the ledge, like, seriously, should I, should I jump? I'm just like Hamlet out there contemplating suicide while he's staring at the skull. You know, it's to be or not to be soliloquy. It's a I great literary I reference. And I, I don't expect that, you know, a lot of people are going to get it, but it has to be like just sad, right? 
It does. And even if they don't, like I was, we did discuss this ahead of time um, because even I didn't, I mean, honestly, I don't remember much <laughs> Shakespeare from my, my school days, but, um, but the, the title is like, it's everyone will remember that reference. And it's like, okay, well, all of a sudden it draws you in and go, wait a second. You know, there's so many people who are being, being in the, in the Airbnb world and the, in the travel trailer bnb world in the glamping world like it's just like new it's the new way to have a side hustle and so i can't imagine how many people have had those same romantic dreams that you did and are now experiencing probably well, some of reality. the same you did yeah. as well you know there's the dream and then there's reality yeah it's like it's like all things i'm sure you know people who take on any career path you know you you don't always consider every aspect to it but I think I think anything in the tourism industry is particularly poignant because that is something that is made to look fantastic that's what tourism is all about if, if it looks crappy people won't go <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be you have to make it look amazing that's part of it right so needless to say you know you're writing down these stories over the course of the you know the 12 years that you owned it and it's in the moment I'm assuming you just like you said you're purging it's cathartic you're getting it off your off your chest and then you get to the point where now you're reflecting and deciding that maybe you have enough for a book was what was that part of the experience for you like and how did you go from the idea maybe these collection of stories could be a book into them actually becoming a book well just to back up to the beginning of what you said it wasn't 12 years it was 14 <laughs> oh 14 sorry yes 14, 14 years 14 years 14, 14 I tried years. to forget years um yeah so I had this collection of stories and I thought you know something should be done with this because a couple of people over a couple of years read a couple of the stories and everybody's comment was always you should write a book and I, I thought you know here I have the backbones of a book so I took all these stories, sat down and divided them into like subjects, which would eventually become chapters. And then I went through every single one of them just to do a few edits, a few completions, a few this and that. Some of them actually needed some updating because the story actually didn't finish there or whatever. So once I had it all together, I instantly thought of the title. I it just came to me. And I don't I don't even remember when or how. I think I was here in the Okanagan when it came to me, but it was just that's that's what it has to be called. It's perfect. It was actually when I finally got a publisher signed on with each other that he added the subtitle de-romanticizing the dream because he really wanted to make it clear that that's what we were doing. It wasn't just should I or shouldn't I? It's like, (laughs) here's what you need to know before you, before you jump into this, you know, can of worms. I love that. I mean, also, I think that's interesting because I think a lot of 
books that do get published, then the, the title gets built after, like, for sure you know, afterwards. Well, you always eyes. need that second set of eyes, right? Because I mean, I've never written a book before. Um, I don't consider myself to be a writer or, you know, anything along these lines. So I just submitted everything. I, I put it all together and I initially contacted every publishing house that I could find in Canada because, you know, I'm a firm believer in local business, supporting local. And, you know, I got no response anywhere in Canada. None. So for, for those people who might be also looking to publish a book, how did you oh, contact them? Even well, I actually got hold of, I looked on, um, I Googled and said, you know, how do I publish a book? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, <what? laughs> Anyway, I found this uh, online forum called Writer's Digest. And it is a wealth of information for people just like me who have accidentally written a book or maybe even on purpose. And now what do you do with it? So they provide all sorts of contact information for publishing houses, for self-publishing, for, you know, basically anything to do with the publishing world. So it was through them that I started compiling lists of who to contact. And like I said, zero luck was in Canada. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to start looking elsewhere. I'm going to go into the United States because of course all the big publishing houses are there anyway. At which time my mom got unfortunately very, very, very ill and uh, worse over time. And then the book got just put on the back shelf because I was very, very busy with uh, family issues there until she died almost one year ago now on February 29th of 2020. And coincidentally, that is exactly when COVID hit the world. So mm -hmm. we had a funeral for her on March the 12th in Edmonton. And I flew home. And on March 15th, the whole world was locked down. So as you right. know, our business is kind of ground to a halt. And I didn't really have suddenly anything to do other than renovate my house and go back to working on the book. So that's when I went back uh, to the publishing contacts. And I connected um during the summer with atmosphere press who is out of texas and immediately they jumped on it and they said okay. yes and it's been a process ever since then of editing and cover design and on and on and on so it's just they they are a full package publishing company so you can choose whatever level you want them to be involved at I really love them they're very contemporary they're very sort of forward thinking and they're very organized and so far the process has been nothing short of awesome and um, not looking back nice okay well we'll definitely need to make sure 
in the podcast links, we'll add that link to Writer's Digest in case anyone mm-hmm. is also looking to get their books published. And so then by full service, do you mean they will do the yeah. editing, the copywriting, the marketing, the publishing, ebook, everything, everything. Books, and they have everything. full knowledge on everything, which is great. I mean, the people that they have working for them are just straight up professionals. They know what they're doing. Everybody is specialized, compartmentalized, and they do their jobs really well. So it's all good in the hood so far, so far. Wow. So great experience. But still, that's interesting because then it's it. So even once you get accepted, that whole process takes at least a year to get to the point where you've been accepted and you, well, I you're suppose actually that depends on the content um mine uh my book or what was the initial submission of the book uh it, about half of the content was removed yeah um, wow, interesting. and it was just because of repetition you know, some stories, no, no two stories were exactly alike, but they were enough alike that that one didn't need to be there. Let's take the really funny one, you know, <laughs> and leave the other one out. So <laughs> it was a lot of that going on. And then there was, there was some additional writing that I had to do. Uh, there was some extra information that they wanted put into the book. Um, a lot of background stuff. A lot of things about um, my relationship, which also uh, demised completely, died actually really ugly death during that whole experience. And it, yeah, so so there was info taken out, there was info put it in. So there was there was just a right. lot of work that had to be done to it. And probably if somebody is um, a more experienced writer than I am, there would be less of that to do. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, there's so many people who aren't, there's so many right. people who want to write a book, you know, it's part of the, the bucket list for them. And uh, right. so they're not just writers. I mean, yes, there's lots of writers who also are still mm-hmm. trying to get their own books published, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that you can do nowadays. And so what made you decide to go through a publisher as opposed to? Well, these guys, um, they're kind of a cool mixture of both. So you can decide, you can go with them on just like sort of a self-publishing path, or you can get them to just do it all. You know, the, the publicity and the marketing these days, everything is digital. I mean, there's a lot. It's, it seems like it's easier, but it's actually more complicated than just taking out an ad in the newspaper. You know, like it's, it's really hard to know what kind right. of uh, platform you want to use and what kind of audience, how to reach that audience. And these guys, you know, they can dial it all in directly for you because every book is not for every publisher. Like these guys uh, specialize in, you know, the human experience. So autobiographical style of books, whereas, you know, maybe they don't specialize in something else like poetry, 
But there are plenty of publishers out there that right. won't touch autobiographical experiences, right? When you're right. picking submission, uh, publishing submissions, you have to make sure you're picking the right one because otherwise you're just wasting your time. So that takes a bit of an effort and research on your part too. And also it, it's a little bit of analysis paralysis. I'm assuming if you, if you had to think where about do you doing it all yourself, it, yeah. where do you promote? Who's your market? How do you build all that out? And that's just a really, really, really big job that, you know, might not be in your real house. 70% of books today are sold online. Well, I can tell you one thing. I was completely against getting a Kindle for so long and uh Blake was working on me he was working on me for years he was telling me about all Mm -hmm. the new types of e-readers and how easy they were and finally the the thing that really (laughs) wore me down was it wasn't the the main idea that you could have thousands of books on one tiny little device or this or that. It was it was that because I really love books. I love physical books and I still do. Uh, is that he said, you know, there's two things that I think would help you with this e-reader. One, it has a paper touch feel on the screen when you <laughs> like go to swipe the page. It's textured. <laughs> and two... You can dim the light as needed all the way down to almost unreadable, which I also really like because I like to read in the dark, but I don't like the screen to be bright. And so those two things finally made me cave. And that was, oh God, I'm trying to remember at least six years ago now. Well, eBooks are huge, huge. And they're growing in the market. Like you can still buy, there's, there's always going to be people who are going to buy paper books for sure. And they're still buying paper books. You can get hard copy books on Amazon. You can get them on, you know, you can order them anywhere. But these ebooks are becoming, they're very quickly growing um, and taking over that market. Like we're going to see less and less paperback books and more and more of the ebooks. So that that market is getting bigger and bigger really fast. So with ebook sales now, you've got a whole sort of different monkey and it's, it's an immediate delivery system because it's digital copy. It's not, you know, you don't have to print a copy and ship it and people have to wait for it. It's like immediate gratification, which is, as we all know, what our society has become. And it's also, it's also um, (laughs) an environmentally friendly option it, it is. Yeah. I mean, I still like paper books in certain instances, for, but the instant delivery, the instant gratification and the books that you don't need to want to write all over are, it's so it's great. So it's easy. So and nice it's and immediate. It's, so it's like, boom, it's in your device. It's in your hand. Instant. Well, very, very cool. So just wondering now where you're at, the book's going to be published yeah. within the next yeah, yeah, like I am. Uh, we finished all of the digital proofing, all of that uh, stuff. We got a cover art approved by me. And so what oh. they've done is they printed a book and it's on its way to me. And once I receive it, then I have to approve the entire thing cover to cover. And it's very, very, you know, this is the first one ever, which is very exciting. I can't wait for it to get here. 
as soon as I approve it, boom, it's ready to go. That digital copy is going to be available instantly because that's how eBooks are. And it's a print on demand. So anything that's ordered online will be immediately printed and just sent off because all of the files these days, of course, are digital and just like readily able to use. Oh, wow. So it's not, even if you want a paper book, it's not like that old school style where you have to say, get 5,000 books. Not at all. A thousand go to waste. Not at all. It's it's print on demand. Neat. Yeah. That is so exciting. Thank you. Congratulations. Uh, Well, thank you so much. This has been super fun and not, not, um, not something we often get enough time to discuss. So thank you so much. So before we uh, hear about maybe where we can find you and where you're getting published, we're going to do a little lightning round, which is this the fun part. And I'll ask you a few questions. And if you just answer them off the top of your head as quickly as you can, and what comes to your mind first, then uh, yeah, the fun part. (laughs) If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it say? For the sake of your own sanity, don't open a bed and breakfast. (laughs) Okay, this one might be a little bit different for you, Van. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her? I think it would have to be think less and do more. Ooh, I love that. In fact, that would be good for the billboard, too. Insightful. And then let's finish up with uh, what, do you have a favorite quote or Um, something that inspires you right now? I have uh, have two favorite quotes that I like to use. they're both, they're they're both basically courtesy of my father, who's who's kind of a conservative human being, but I appreciate that in him because, you know, he keeps me dialed back. One of them is all things in moderation. Yeah, um, yes. it's a great Classic. message of yes, enjoy your life, but don't over enjoy it, because <laughs> because you'll die of a heart attack. <laughs> just try everything try, do everything but but don't do too much of anything any one thing the other one is is one that my dad and I pass back and forth all the time on many many subjects and it always makes us laugh it is nice from far but far from nice and I used that to describe my lodge <laughs> many times. <laughs> awesome. So we will we'll be sure to keep tabs on you and find out the exact date that your book is being published for print and also for ebook. Uh, do you know where about people might look um, for your the book? Most at this point? Rev- possibly the best experience is going to be to go to Atmosphere. Okay, and yeah, we can link it in the show notes I'm later. I'm pretty too, sure I'm going to have an author find you that way. website built by them also. So that would be the other one to either Google me, Sue Marco, M-A-R-K-O, dot com. I would imagine they'll do it in a dot com since everybody I'm working with is American. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll make sure to add in the links, uh, find those links. And, right. and if they're not available yet, then yes, absolutely. Those are going to be the live. initial sort of sites to find. And um, then they are going to be available through Amazon, of course, because that's such a giant one. 
and international distribution through Ingram as well and Barnes and Noble. Well, I'm super pumped and I cannot wait to read it. You always have great stories to tell every time we get together. So I'm super excited. I, I'm hoping the community gets on board. and, and You are welcome. Thank you so and, much uh, for taking so much. the time. I'm looking forward to getting the book out there and into people's hands and uh, straightening out their dreams. Have you ever had a business idea you thought you could turn into a side hustle or even possibly your main gig? Or maybe you've thought about becoming an influencer, but don't know where to start. Well, friends, stay tuned for the My Kind podcast airing every Sunday evening so you can get your week off to the right start, focus on your goals and get a little inspiration to boot. We explore the world of entrepreneurship and focus on supporting women like you to achieve your goals and turn your talents into a business. Each week, we'll explore a topic related to starting or growing your business by interviewing go-getter women and holding on-the-fly workshops that you can listen to while you're cleaning, driving, or working out. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, or Anchor, and join the community on Facebook at mykind.ca and on Insta at Mind Kind of Business. See you soon!